0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hockey in the Classroom. Your co-host, Wally Wallisak, joined by my other co-host, Tony Ringgit. Tony, how are you doing today? Good, good. 85 and sunny in Dallas, so enjoying this this beautiful weather. Uh, I wish I can say that's the same in the Midwest, but um, I, that's not the case whatsoever. <laughs> um, Tony, let's just dive into this. Uh, big news that just got released today. And, uh, that's the fact that, uh, and I was going to do the show a little differently today. I was going to, I was going to go into the hockey East and NCHC first because the regular seasons ended, but we need to hit bigger news that was just released. And that's regarding regarding the ECAC right now. And that is that, uh, Harvard, uh, has now withdrawn from the ECAC playoffs due to the coronavirus. And I believe you just messaged me not too long ago that a couple of teams are considering or have already decided to follow that suit. Yeah, so so just
1: highlighting it a little bit more, the entire um, Ivy League came out. So they can't, recently canceled their, their basketball tournament. Um, they came out today and canceled all spring sports. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so, but any, any winter sport, it's up to the school if they want to continue playing in postseason play. Harvard and Yale, um, two teams, let's be honest, that probably didn't have much much to play for in the in the grand scheme of the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and really, even in the ECAC tournament, they would have had to beat Quinnipiac and RPI this round, uh, respectively, and then go on to beat Cornell and Clarkson. So, I mean, it would have been a long shot, but Harvard and Yale have decided to... To forfeit, um, kind of setting off a reseeding. Um, luckily, it happened early enough that they could catch it and and reroute teams to different opponents, which is, which is is kind of um, unfortunate, I guess, in in the preparation point. Um, but now Cornell will have a bye to the to the semis as will Clarkson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get it. You know, the coronavirus, this thing is huge right now. Um, And, you know, we're not a politics podcast by any means, so we're not going to get into that part of it. Um, And and this really isn't a shock either, Tony. I mean, we've seen not only professional sports, but we've seen other um, college uh, sports, you know, make the stand. Whether it's we're just canceling today's game. We're focusing on the playoffs now in college hockey Um, You know, NHL teams are now coming out and stating it seems like it's one by one that they're going to move away from having fans within the arenas for the time being. Um, And, you know, college hockey actually just followed that suit is now they're not looking to have the stadiums filled once we get into the top 16. Yeah, that's that's
1: really it. And and you're seeing more and more schools follow suit. Um, I believe RPI has made that decision that they're not going to have anybody playing or any fans in the stand. So when we say that there'll be fans, but it'll be like immediate family and stuff like that. So it's not going to be your, your, your average fans and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's an incredible thing that's happening and not incredible in a good way. Um, Rudy Gobert, who is a center for the Utah jazz recently, uh, Plonsky actually just texted me about it Um he tested positive for it. So I really the well, first athlete that we're seeing and I mean really at especially at the with when you're looking at the NBA and and the NHL how many of these players share locker rooms with yeah. dual purpose venues.
0: Yeah, no, it's a crazy thing that's going on uh in, in not just in the US but the, across the entire world. So, you know, it this it's unfortunate that this is going on. Um you can only hope and pray for the best for all that are affected and that, that we can get through as a, uh, really as a world, get through this. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we, we start seeing, you know, the numbers, uh, kind of sway in the favor of, you know, as far as sickness, deaths, et cetera. So, uh, it's unfortunate. So, um, but you know, we understand exactly why it's happening. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, You know, other news, too, Um, that, you know, oh, getting away from the coronavirus and, and the stadiums and stuff like that. And that's the fact that uh, Alex Turcott of uh, your beloved Wisconsin Badgers is all uh, one and done and is uh, signing his uh, contract with the uh, L.A. Kings. I don't think this was much of a shock to a lot of people, as I believe Alex Turcotte was just recently drafted. Uh, I believe it was fifth overall in last year's entry draft. So. Um, we, I think, Tony, when we see guys usually in that top ten, if you're not in the top three, you're going to play one year somewhere if you're not going to sign your deal and play in the minors, So um, Alex Tercock, uh, 26 points this year with Wisconsin. Uh, it seems like Wisconsin are looking to see if they're going to lose two more uh, individuals on their team. Uh, I believe they're waiting to hear if Keandre Miller, a defenseman, sophomore defenseman, is going to sign his deal with the Rangers. And right now it seems like it's 50-50. It's a toss-up uh, whether Cole Caulfield is going to sign with the Canadians or if he will elect to come back for one more year.
1: Yeah, that's, that's going to be really interesting to see. And, and this is definitely an interesting time because we're able to kind of see some of those guys, are they leaving early, or who's going to be a undrafted guy that, that gets signed and, and whatnot. Um, always interesting when teams start getting eliminated from NCAA tournament contention.
0: Yeah, um, this will be interesting for Wisconsin in a lot of different ways because you know I know uh, as we've discussed uh, probably a couple months ago on our podcast, um, you know what's the status in future for Tony Granado. You know I think Tony we we talked about you know is it a, do we see possibly Wisconsin parting ways with him middle of the season, end of season, or do we think he's going to get one more year? To see if he could kind of you know rebound from this past year um so you know this with these guys either going potentially going or staying i think really can also affect you know, you know the status of tony granado's uh future here at wisconsin um i'm not saying that he might not have talent coming through the ranks here or or he doesn't um believe in uh that the the remainder of his roster can can uplift, but we're you know we're talking about Cole Caulfield who led the team in scoring this year, led the led the conference conference uh, was one of the top, if not the top freshman in all of college hockey. Alex Turcott was uh, he's got to be in the top three at twenty six points for Wisconsin too. Um, and then you you know losing a sophomore defenseman uh, in Keandre Miller, and those are three pretty big keys. For Wisconsin this year, Uh, I think without these three guys, Wisconsin's season could have been a lot worse than it it really was this year. So, um, you know, so if you're a Wisconsin Badger fan, you know, this is unfortunate news to to see uh, considering their freshmen and sophomores. Um, And you can only hope that Tony Granato's recruiting class that's coming in and and the development of the team that he's got right now can. Uh, kind of uplift what you are losing and potentially losing going into next season. Yeah.
1: And Granada recruits incredibly well. And, and Wisconsin has for, for a while now. And I almost wonder if that's, I don't, it's obviously not a bad thing to recruit so well. Um, but they were along with Minnesota one the top two youngest teams in the country this year. And I mean, as you and I have talked about, like in college hockey, some of these guys, you're there for three, four years. You, you have built up some muscle. You're, you're quite a bit bigger and you're quite a bit more experienced. And I, and I almost wonder if having those young, like I almost look at like Kentucky like teams um, in that one and done type of deal might not be as efficient in college hockey because I feel like we saw that, you know, with the North Dakotas, the BCs, the Minnesotas, even like Michigan for a little while. And now they're returning back to that prominence that they've had for so long and you wonder how much of it is it? they get some of that senior leadership. They get some of that veteran
0: presence, which can obviously really, really help. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen in the trend in college hockey, and I don't think so much within the last few years, but um, under, you know, except for some, you know, obviously some circumstances, certain players, but, you know, just from articles and my own knowledge with some of the, college hockey coaches we have right now. And even in the past, their ultimate goal is not just, uh, you know, they're not just hockey coaches, but you know, uh, they're educators of the game. These guys uh, want to see these kids succeed at the next level. Uh, I don't doubt that Tony Granato has already had the conversation or did have the conversation with Alex Sturkoff that he is probably more than ready for the, the professional rings and you know as much as Tony Grinnell probably wants to keep him to to build a, a contender for Wisconsin doesn't want to hold this kid back who's got the talent already for the next level so i mean and i think we've seen that um you know just from my own personal knowledge i know Andy Murray did that with Danny DeKaiser as a junior um he was ready for the nhl um and and so i know a lot of other players um in in years past with with their respected uh Schools and coaches were the same. So, um, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's something that you kind of hate seeing because you're hoping that they're going to stay. And, you know, especially if you're like, you know, like a Wisconsin, this was not the season you were hoping for. So you're hoping next season it's a turnaround season, contend for a Big Ten championship and a national championship. So when you lose these key pieces, it's unfortunate, but you kind of understand why, uh, you know, holding these kids back when, when the talent and, you know, hockey IQ is already there for the next level. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Tony. Um, I mean, that's all I got for the news in college hockey. Uh, let's dive into here. Um, and, I, I, you know, I know we always go Atlantic hockey and ECAC. Uh, let's go NCAC and hockey East first because, you know, the, they're the ones that just wrapped up the regular season. We are officially now in 100% playoff swing starting this weekend. Yeah. And in a very, very exciting t-
1: time of the year, um, quite frankly, there there was definitely some juggling around in position and some battling for position in both, but we're now where we want to be. And that's, and that's conference tournament time. And I think no better spot to start than within hockey East. Um, we talked about the importance of the, the UMass game on Thursday against Vermont. And that was because UMass could clinch that second seed and, really let a lot of the games Friday kind of decide what was going to go on. Um, UMass did beat Vermont. UMass is the number two overall seed. Um, Lowell and Maine were able to slide into three and four as Lowell beat UConn and Maine beat Providence. Um, The biggest question mark really going into the weekend, though, was who was going to be that odd man out. And that turned out to be UNH. Um, And despite getting the tie with BC on Saturday, it just wasn't quite enough as Northeastern did beat BU on on Saturday – uh, to clinch that final spot. So we have our eight teams and and it's crazy. A team like UNH, a really good team is their
0: season's done. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And and this was going to be unfortunate for any of the top nine teams really, you know, excluding Merrimack and Vermont right now. Um, because we already knew for a while that these two were, were kind of out of it. Um, but so you knew out of the top nine that someone's program who had a a great season this year was going to be cut short and left out of here. Um, And really I think towards the last couple of weeks, I think we kind of were able to narrow it down really to Northeastern Providence, New Hampshire, and you can maybe even make the argument for Boston university. So then this is not me saying that based on, just the points in, in play, but just the, you know, the last couple of weeks and how stuff has turned around for these programs, you know, Northeastern who's um, lost a couple of players now for the season to, you know, injury Providence, who even though I think has the top two guys for Hobie Baker this year, you know, two guys can't win you a national championship or even East championship. So that's why we see him at the bottom, and, and they lost a couple of good games down the stretch. Um, and, you know, uh, BU has kind of been up and down this year. And then, you know, you know, UNH has won a lot of close games and it has lost a lot of close games. You know, we've made a point on this podcast before. They're not an offensively strong team, only scoring 54 goals this season in, in conference play, but giving up uh, near 70 goals. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate for New Hampshire because they, they did have a pretty good season this year. But yeah, it's like you said, Tony. We, we have our eight now. It's uh, it's a battle for the hockey championship, and and right now, this, I think this is, I don't know what your opinion is here. Uh, I'll get that in a second, but this might be one of the few playoff in the conferences. Uh, maybe maybe you can make the argument for the Big Ten that one through nine, or I'm sorry, one through eight could win the hockey championship.
1: Yeah, certainly. And there, there's definitely teams that I look at are probably a lot more likely, like looking at a at a BC, a UMass and a Lowell. But yeah, no, any any of these four eight teams, they're all playing really good hockey and they have all year. And quite frankly, in a lot of other conferences, maybe minus the NCHC, um, an eighth place, an eighth place finish in the in Hockey East would have been a top top three or four finish in most of the other conferences. So that's just how talented it is. But, you know, I one thing I want to I want to call out, it's just to give our, our listeners an idea of who you kind of want to win if you're a certain team. Um, right now, UMass and BC are the only two teams that you can pretty much say with 100% certainty they are in. Um, Lowell is pretty dang close. Um, they're sitting at 11 in the pairwise right now. And then um, Maine and Northeastern are two of the teams that I would consider bubble teams that could potentially make um, the NCAA tournament, if some help happens, um, but everybody else, they're, they're just going to have to win the entire, the entire, uh, tournament to get in. Um, but really the big ones to look at are Lowell, Maine and Northeastern as they,
0: they need some things to happen and they need to make some runs in this tournament. Yeah, no doubt. And, And Tony, when you're talking about making runs, we're talking about, you know, ultimately, you know, they're, they're trying to get into the top 16, not just, uh, win a hockey's championship but keep their season alive once this uh, the conference playoffs do come to an end here in a couple of weeks. So um, the, it's one of those situations where, I, you know, I agree with you, you know, BC, UMass pretty much have locked it in. You, you know, you just said UMass Lowell is very close to locking it in. And even though we have four through eight that have played really well, you know, Maine, UConn, BU, Northeastern Providence – uh, they have a lot more to play for besides the hockey championship, and that's to keep their season alive if, if they're able to keep this going after the playoffs for the conference. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and, and I think it's it's important that we highlight what games are coming up this weekend. And uh, BC is the number one overall seed, and they have Northeastern. UMass comes in at number two. They have Providence. Lowell comes in at three, and they have BU. And then Maine comes in at number four, and they have UConn. So. I mean, we're going to have four really, really good series this weekend, potentially.
0: Yeah. And um yeah, this is a weekend where you can't just highlight one one game. I know, and I know we do that pretty much every weekend. But this is, you know, now we're down to the top eight programs here in this conference. And, you know, even though when I look at like a Northeastern and a UMass, I I think I'm leaning towards UMass is going to come out and win that. And that's only because Northeastern is extremely beat up right now. If they weren't beat up, I think Northeastern and UMass are a pretty even, evenly matched team. The rest of the field right now, it, I mean, these are going to be interesting matchups and outcomes this weekend. Uh, Just because they have the home, you know, home ice advantage. I don't think, The uh, main BC UMass law are walking out of here, uh, you know, with an easy uh, two wins here this weekend.
1: No, and and a lot of those games are quite frankly toss up games. When you look at how close they were in the standings, I mean, five points
0: separates BU in six and UMass in second. Yeah, and I mean, if we gone if we took the time right now and we had. More than an you know hour, hour and a half to to do this show, um, or if we were just a hockey East podcast, which we're not. Um, if we went through the schedule for each one of these programs, at some point, I guarantee that each of them have beat up on each other at some point this season. So this is not like we're saying, oh yeah, UMass has already you know won four games against Northeastern this year, or you know Providence has beaten BC three out of four times. That you know that's not the case. I you know there's a lot there were a lot of games uh, that these programs probably split this, this past year if we went back and looked at everything. So th- that's what makes this very interesting. It, it, I mean, Tony, if I really had a game to pick, which this is extremely hard uh, and, and the listeners might be questioning me on this, but I actually am more intrigued at the UConn main series of if anything, because I know those two teams this year have flip-flopped, I think, more than any team in this conference and I think these are two teams I don't think a lot of people uh, really expected to be in this position right now. Uh, Maine came in at four and UConn at five. So both played extremely well this season. I actually like that matchup right there. That was a, a matchup I kind of was hoping for.
1: Yeah, no that that one's going to be exciting. And then I really have my
0: eyes on the LBU. BU. Yeah, that that's going to be a good series. Uh BU um, you know, BU's kind of been a little up and down the last couple of weeks, but you know, Tony, you mentioned they uh, got the split against Northeastern this past weekend, um, so you know, see it, you know, see if they can ride that out a little bit. They ended up losing to BC, I think, a couple of weeks ago, so they're not they didn't end the season as strong as I think BU probably hoped for, but uh, you know, playoff hockey now records are zero zero, so all this shit that just happened this regular season doesn't mean anything anymore. Nope, exactly. Uh okay, Tony switching gears here. We had another conference in the NCHC, uh wrap up their regular season this past weekend and it, we had a couple different uh surprising headlines that happened uh, over the weekend for the regular season.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it was interesting because Duluth actually had a shot at the number 1 seed, um which I didn't I I thought I read somewhere they didn't, but they did going into into Saturday night Um, but North Dakota did get the victory against Omaha on um, on Saturday night so sets up a a series with Colorado College as the number one overall seed Um, Western Michigan and and Duluth each picked up sweeps this weekend and then Denver earned five of six against CC so things kind of fell into place exactly as they sat coming into this weekend um, at the top at least
0: yeah, um uh, and you know the biggest thing I I took away from this is um you know North Dakota got the split with Nebraska home Omaha and like you mentioned you know if you're a UMD Bulldog fan you were rooting for Omaha this weekend you got at least after Friday you were you were sitting pretty when they got the W there and you're thinking okay come on Omaha let's get that second W you know and then you know let's change focus here to Western Michigan you were a Colorado College fan this weekend and Colorado College took dilute or I'm sorry they took uh Denver to 3 on 3 overtime so that that played into Western's favor and then it, I'm not mistaken I think Colorado College got off to a, a lead early on in the Saturday game or at least tied yeah, it a quick one nothing lead and so if you were Western Michigan you're a Colorado Cal fan, Colorado College fan you were hoping that Saturday you push that to another 3 on 3 overtime Western mm-hmm. and Denver then are tied if Denver doesn't get the extra point there. So, um, and it it came down very close. I think going into last weekend, Tony, and I could be wrong, but I think Western was down three points. I don't know if you have that in your notes. I don't, I don't, but they ended up. Uh, They were down two. Down two. And so Western ended up with what what they needed was in with a Miami weekend. They needed the sweep. They got the sweep both in regulation. So they got all the points they, they can, you know, get, for one weekend and they just fell short of third by Denver with one point. Uh, but Western locked in home ice advantage. Western played well against St. Cloud state this year. So uh, St. Cloud at Lawson ice arena in front of the Lunatics. Um, that's going to be a great series to watch home ice advantage for Western. Uh, Tony, you mentioned you, UND has got Colorado college Duluth, will be hosting Miami, and then Denver is hosting Nebraska-Omaha.
1: Yeah, and, and really anything can happen in any of these series because teams are just so good. Um, the, the biggest one, like you mentioned, WMU St. Cloud might be one of the best quarterfinal matchups of the, entire, of the entire year, I guess. I mean, two really good teams that are playing their best hockey at this time of the year.
0: Yeah, both teams that are not in um, knock-on-wood for both of them are not injured right now. They're 100% healthy. I was at the Western Michigan game on Saturday. I thought Wade Adelson had broken his arm uh, midway through the game, blocking a shot. I got concerned, <laughs> uh, but he ended up coming back and actually scoring. Um, but, you know, I agree. I think this is going to be one of the better quarterfinal games in, in playoff hockey, at least for this conference. Um it's like you said, both teams are playing extremely well, uh, especially late down the run here. And this is a series that really could be a toss-up, you know. And I know if you're a Western Michigan fan, you don't want to hear that. But this is, this is a 4-5 or five matchup where, uh, you know, anything could happen, in, especially in this series. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how this one plays out for as they, you know, make their – their trip down to Minneapolis after this weekend. Yeah. And, and this is a series that I think is going to go three games. Yeah. Which I don't think we get a lot of, which I, you know, and this is also, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was in my notes. I want to mention, you know, and for the, for our uh, listeners and followers that don't know NCHC hockey, the all eight teams are in this uh, top four, get the home ice advantage and the first round is the best of three series. So, we can see potentially a Sunday action game. Uh, Tony, I think we, uh, I think they copied this or took this from the old CCHA days, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe that we went to a Sunday game back in our heyday, which I know is uh it's very awkward <laughs> and rare to see uh in college hockey, but it does happen. Yeah, and we saw a few of them last week as well. We did, we did. and We're going to touch base on those in a little bit here. Um, because playoff hockey actually did start for majority of the conferences last weekend. And we had a lot of action going on.
1: One thing I do want to talk about real quick in the, in the NCHC, um, I don't actually have a bracketology segment this week. Um, I focused a little bit more on, you know, who those teams are in, who's on the bubble and who has to win to get in Um, right now, as it sits Duluth, uh, North Dakota and Denver are, are all in. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, WMU is the only bubble team, and they're sitting in a good spot, right? Uh, a goodish spot right now. If the season were to end, um, they'd be the fifteen, the the last team in, really. So um, they're in they're in an interesting spot, and they really need to do some work. Um, other than that, everybody else is kind of they have to win to get in.
0: So. Yeah. Um, I was kind of trying to figure this out, Tony too. Uh, and I know, I think I text you over the weekend about this too. Um, I think if you're Western Michigan, ultimately I think to be safe, you win the NCHC, NCHC championship. You're, you're automatically in, but uh, a win against two wins against St. Cloud this weekend, I think uh, this is a good program. That's going to bode well for them in the pair wise. But you ultimately, if you end up getting through St. Cloud and then falling short in the semis, you ultimately don't want to leave your fate in the other uh, team's chances in the other conferences. So, you know, if you're Western Michigan, really, it, it, you want to get at least to the championship game here to kind of solidify your spot in uh, in the top 16.
1: Yeah, and I do feel unless there's a lot of upsets happening, WMU, if they can get to the championship, they'll probably, in all likelihood, be pretty good. But, I mean, it also really kind of depends on, you know, that that Lowell, Bemidji, Arizona State, Michigan. You know, a lot can happen this weekend, and especially in the Big Ten. I mean, Minnesota and Michigan, if they lose, in all
0: likelihood, their season is done. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. We could potentially see another four NCHC teams in, in the top 16, or we're looking at just three. We, like Tony, you mentioned, we got three that are already a lock in here. So, uh, NCHC playoffs do start this weekend, as we've mentioned, uh, as long as well as hockey uh, playoffs as well. So, but we are, Tony, now we're in full playoff mode. We actually had playoffs start last weekend for a lot of different uh, conferences, um let's go to the top. Let's start with Atlantic Hockey. Yeah, so the Atlantic
1: Hockey uh, Air Force and Bentley took care of business sweeping Mercyhurst and Canisius. Um kind of what we expected. Um it was a little bit hairier though for Robert morris as you know, they lost Friday night um to Holy Cross and then needed overtime on Saturday to force that decisive game 3 on Sunday which they won pretty handily. Um, really no upsets in that first round. All the top seeds advanced. Um, kind of looking at what's what's going on next weekend. Uh, Bentley travels to AIC. Uh, Army hosts Niagara. RIT hosts Air Force. And then Robert Morris travels to Sacred Heart.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting games here. Um, uh, I'm really looking more at like, Air Force, RIT, Robert Moore's Sacred Heart and even kind of Niagara army cuz I know we were talking about this last week And Tony you know you know don't sleep on Niagara they've had a really good uh good season this year so um AIC badly I really think if if AIC falls short on badly that's that's really kind of disappointing on AIC after the season they've had um but you know Robert Moore's, like you said they they had to really grind it out against a Holy Cross team that was 10th in the in the conference to get to where they are now and they got to kind of play a number two Sacred Heart team. Uh, Air Force, who's pretty much split all season long, <laughs> has got to face a really good number three RIT team. And then Army is going to host Niagara here. So and there's at least three out of four games that are going to, or series, I should say, this weekend that are looking really good that um, could potentially be tossed up series here. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean,
1: it's like the two that, that you mentioned, uh, Air Force RIT is that one that just jumps out to me
0: and then of course, Niagara Army four or five is always an interesting yeah one. Um, but yeah Tony I mean uh, not a lot you know more to talk about. We're you know towards the end of the year we got playoffs going on um, so let's just kind of keep this rolling here and you know we did mention ECAC hockey um, and what's going on right now with especially with the coronavirus, but let's recap what happened last weekend and let's kind of see if we could put a picture together uh of what's going to at least move on you know at least outside of the Ivy League schools here
1: yeah harvard in what would turn out to be their last uh last series of the season um they swept saint Lawrence. uh colgate swept brown um colgate didn't need overtime on saturday to eliminate brown um yale who like harvard they're seen they saw their last games of this of the season despite being victorious uh they did fall the union on friday uh, but did rebound to advance with wins on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Sunday, though, was a a, a two-overtime thriller, so really exciting game there to to move on to the next round. However, the biggest shocker of the weekend was the 11-seed Princeton upsetting the number six seed Dartmouth with a pair of overtime winners. That was one I definitely did not see.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't see that coming either. I was shocked when I saw that. Um, I wasn't so shocked with e- union and Yale. Cause I do remember, I think I mentioned on the last week's podcast, that I said, don't sleep on union. They've been there before former national champion winners. Um, so I wasn't shocked to see that union kind of push it to a third game there on Sunday and, and they made Yale grind out, <laughs> grind it out for a double overtime victory there. So <clears throat> kudos to union. Unfortunately they fell short. Um, but, yeah, Princeton really shocked me. we were not shocked by Harvard, even though now it's being announced that that was their last series of the season. Um, and then uh, Colgate and Brown, you know, Colgate, and that was kind of a toss-up game, I believe. And uh, Colgate was victorious there, like as you mentioned.
1: Yeah, and, and then with the latest news that is just really a couple hours old, um, Princeton or excuse me, Cornell and Clarkson won't be playing again this week. They have a buy to the semis now. So a double buy for them, two teams that have, have punched their tickets to the NCAA tournament. Um, Cor- Clarkson isn't 100% in according to the CHN like probabilities, but they are 99.4%. So let's just say they're in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it it might be a hundred
0: now after they get that buy to the, to the semis. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, and yeah. And and when more news keeps coming out on the ECAC and how this is going to play out for the rest of the playoffs, uh, we'll keep you guys up to date, um, on our Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you didn't, you know, you guys don't follow us, follow us, uh, on Twitter and Instagram uh, where we post all our news and, and what's coming up for us. So once we find out what's going on in ECAC, we're going to post that out to everybody so you guys are aware of what's going on. And we'll recap as well next week on the podcast as well. So
1: Yes, but the two games this week, we will see um, RPI taking on Colgate and then uh, Quinnipiac taking on Princeton. So a little bit of changing from what we had originally – had planned. Um, I, I want to take a look at at the pairwise for this one. Um, mentioned the two teams that are in with Clarkson and Cornell. However, Quinnipiac is one of those bubble teams that right now they're sitting on the outside looking in. They definitely need some help, um, and I I almost feel Quinnipiac kind of in that similar situation to Western Michigan. Um, winning your conference tournament obviously going to be the best thing, but they might be sitting in an okay spot if they if they get to their
0: title and have a win against um, what well, would be against Clarkson. So Okay, so we got some interesting uh, storylines here that even though we have a lot of teams that are uh, unfortunately under their season early due to the virus that's out, uh, we still do have implications here for the remaining team. So we'll see how this plays out. But I think, Tony, we're, this is no shocker, despite how Cornell and Clarkson do in the semifinals, they have already punched their ticket in for a top 16. Yeah, we'll see them in the yep. tournament. All right, Tony, let's keep it moving here, and uh, let's go towards the WCHA. Yeah, so the WCHA, we had a little
1: bit of, of drama here and, and some a couple upsets um, in the sense of seeding, and then we had Bemidji State get taken to a decisive third game Against Lake Superior, which is one that I—I I mean, we talked about how Lake the difference between that one and that and that two seed with getting Lake Superior and getting Anchorage, um, but Lake Superior put a fight in and, and made Bemidji play an extra game. Um, Minnesota State took care of Anchorage like we really expected, um, handling them pretty easily. But then in the middle, there were uh, the the bottom two seeded games, I guess, with the three and the four seeds. We saw some upsets. Uh, Bowling Green swept Alaska in Fairbanks to set up a matchup with Bemidji next weekend. That's going to be a very, very intriguing matchup in my mind, especially the way Bemidji played last week and the way that Bowling Green has been coming on really strong to end the season.
0: Yeah, um, I, I was, you know, I think I kind of, we alluded to this last week and that's that it's never an easy trip when you got to go to Alaska and Bowling Green, uh took care of business. Uh, apparently the road trip to uh, Alaska did not bother them. Uh, they ended up with a 4-2 victory on Friday and then a uh, 3-2 closer victory on Saturday, but they took care of business and well-deserved moving on. Uh, Bowling Green, I think I've mentioned this many times throughout the podcast, they're not an offensively strong team, but they what they lack in offense, they make up in defense and goaltending. Um, So that's where that really, I think that Bowling Green team shines and can really help them along in the playoffs here. And it's like you mentioned, Tony, Bemidji State, who did not play well last week, Bowling Green, who did, can Bowling Green take advantage of a struggling Bemidji State right now and walk in there and and get a a W there and advance to the semifinals, or I'm sorry, the finals. So we'll see that. And then uh, the series, I think that you and I had circled – uh, for the WCHA uh, playoffs was Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech, and I I was not shocked. And I think we we kind of agreed that Tech was sitting in the best spot possible after uh, playing well against Northern Michigan the previous weekend, and they're now advancing. And Northern Michigan is uh, out of the WCHA playoffs. Yeah, I mean, what a what a
1: kind of downfall Northern had really from that, you know kind of two-third marker of the season to the to right now and and they put they were in a good spot at one point they were you know in the top 16 in the pairwise they were looking like they could potentially be an ncaa tournament team and you know the wheels just kind of came off the bus um now the one thing that is kind of you you don't love it if you're michigan tech you got to make that trip out to mankato and that is not
0: going to be easy no but um but Tech did take care of business against a good Northern Michigan team—a four-one victory on Friday. That that was uh, quite the victory for Tech, and I think Tech has been playing very well on the Friday Friday night games, regardless the last few weeks. So they're good at getting off to a hot start in the weekend series. Um, I think they were end up. I think they were losing at one point on the Saturday game and kind of clawed their way back, if I'm not mistaken. Three overtimes, though, it did take, but Tech ended up grinding it out and getting the 4 3 victory on Saturday. So well deserved for Michigan Tech. Unfortunate, and disappointing for Northern Michigan. Uh, and, you know, Tony, uh, two games, or two, I should say, two series left. Um, and these are going to be fun series to watch. Uh, Tech, like you mentioned, is going up to Minnesota State. And, Bowling Green's going to make the trip to Bemidji State, and we're going to see uh, out of these four teams who's going to come victorious and play for uh, WCHA championship.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how this plays out, and, and this is going to be one of those conferences that um, one team's in for sure. That is Minnesota State, and then Bemidji is kind of – I would say they're one of the highest as far as odds to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large um but but they've got some work to do. They I think if they can get a win against Bowling Green, that'll probably bump their odds up pretty well and there's a good chance we'll see Bo, uh Bemidji in the uh in the NCAA tournament. Uh Bowling Green and Michigan Tech both need to win their conference tournament to get into the tournament.
0: And you know, I just want to point make a point here for our fo- our listeners and followers. Uh WCHA playoffs, uh we had the three-game best of three game series in the quarterfinals. We have the same here in the semifinal, so a little different than the NCHC. Um, and then the final is uh, obviously just a one-game, one-and-done championship game. So uh, WCHA actually has two rounds of best of three, with the final being uh, just a one-game championship game. So for those that don't know that. It's kind of a unique It, it really is. I, I kind of like it if, you know – um, you know, I'm I'm used to the CCHA, the old CCHA, which is now the NCHC uh, playoff setup, which is the best of three, and then semis are one, championships one, and they they actually do have a consolation game, which is a one and done. But I actually do kind of like I'm with you. I kind of like the interesting setup here. You get best of three for two rounds. And then the championship game uh, is one and done, which you know, I think that would make the most sense. So I, I do like the, that setup there for, for how the WCHA, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind to see a lot of the other conferences maybe adopt that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, okay. Tony, uh, last but not least, but uh, we got some big 10 hockey uh, going on here. What, what did we see last weekend in big 10 hockey?
1: Well, we saw a few teams get eliminated from their shots at the NCAA tournament. Um, Those being Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Um, I believe it was Notre Dame and Minnesota. My laptop's kind of freezing on me right now. Um, Minnesota and Notre Dame needed a a Sunday game um, to determine, and Minnesota ended up picking up that victory over Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State handled Michigan State and Wisconsin pretty easily. Um, but it sets up some pretty good matchups this weekend with uh, Penn state who was, who's been idle for the last two weeks. Um, they'll take on Minnesota and then Michigan will take on Ohio state in Columbus. Now we mentioned how it was, it was a best of three series in the quarterfinals, or, excuse me, in the semis in the WCHA. It is not in the, in the big 10. It is a one game, a, not a one game a series, one game. Um, and then a one game in the final The following week so um, very very interesting setup in the Big Ten if if you ask me but right now Penn State Ohio State locks for the NCAA tournament Um, and then Minnesota and Michigan are two teams playing for their tournament lives Uh, Michigan's definitely in a little bit better situation than Minnesota I'd almost argue Minnesota needs they need a lot to happen if they
0: don't win the Big Ten tournament to get into the yeah, game. Um. Yeah, so just to kind of give my opinion here and recap, I, if you're Michigan State, this is just unfortunate how the season ended for you guys. Um, Such a good start and kind of a surprise team most of the season, but the last maybe month, month and a half has not been good for Michigan State, and on the flip side, Michigan has been playing, uh, Michigan might be one of the highest teams at college hockey right now. Uh, they've been playing very good hockey, and they're getting the wins when they need to get the wins, and, and they took care of business against Michigan State, which is n- kind of no surprise they did the same not even, what, two, three weeks ago when they played them at Yost Arena. So Michigan, I think, all season has gotten the better half of Michigan State. Um, so if you're, Michigan, you're a Michigan State fan, this is just unfortunate how this season, which uh, like I said, no one. I don't think the expectations around college hockey were extremely high for Michigan State, uh, but you know they played er, played well early on, and so this is just unfortunate. Um, you know, when on the flip side, Wisconsin, Ohio State. I think we kind of figured Wisconsin was probably going to be out, but you were kind of hoping Wisconsin was just going to play spoiler and kind of you know see if they could advance their way through this tournament. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Ohio State did take care of business. Though, even though Friday was a 9-1 to victory, holy shit, um, Wisconsin did make it tough for them on Saturday, trying to push it to a game three because it did go to overtime. So, a little bit of a different outcome there than the 9-1 to victory on Friday. Um, but the game that I'm really intrigued to see is Penn State-Minnesota. This is the reason why. I, I ended up getting to watch this series a few weekends ago and if i'm not mistaken both the get friday and saturday games either went to overtime or came down to the last minute in a one goal game and minnesota played extremely well it just couldn't bury the the tying or game winning goal uh and penn state i think really didn't play well in the friday game so minnesota is like right there <laughs> right there on the doorstep to beating penn state and it, i I've never been a fan of teams that get a week or two off going into playoffs. I've, ne- I've never been a fan. Um, it scares the living crap out of me. If, that, my, if my team that I'm, I'm hoping goes all the way, just got a two-week break. So I don't know how this is going to play for Penn State, um, knowing the fact that they have not played competitive hockey for two straight weeks now. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, this will be an interesting, just like I said, Michigan's been extremely hot. Ohio State's been up and down, but you know they've been their overall record's extremely good. So uh, it's in Columbus. I don't think Columbus is one of these college hockey arenas that you you don't want to play in. <laughs> so um, if you're Michigan, I think that kind of plays in your favor a little bit. So um, I wouldn't be shocked, and I, to see Michigan advance for a Big Ten championship game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, just before we advance here, I mean, the game I think out of these two, I I like Penn State-Minnesota as my top game for this tournament. Um, but I mean, Tony, I just want to get your opinion cuz you just mentioned before we started rattling off some scores here that the semis and the championship are one and done. I feel like if the big ten who's seven team conference And I think we're pretty close to being an A-team conference when U of I gets gets in. You would almost kind of would wonder if the Big Ten, why aren't you doing the WCHA? Why wouldn't you want more college hockey? I mean, you're playing one game on a Saturday for semi, and then you're playing one game for a championship on the following week. I don't know. I mean, if I'm I'm a college hockey fan, like the WCHA, I think, is doing it right. They're just – they're getting more hockey in, in it. And at least giving some of these teams that, you know, they're, they're not trying to wrap up the conference playoffs, you know, in, you know, flipping five minutes here, they're trying to, you know, get as much done and give these teams a chance to upset, move on, advance, whatever the case may be. So I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is on that with the big Ten.
1: I think once they hit eight, which inevitably is going to happen pretty soon in all likelihood, um, I think it's going to go to more of the NCHC setup where you got the eight teams in um, you'll, you'll play last weekend. Last week would have been the end of the regular season. Um, you play the quarterfinals, best of three, and then semifinals finals are the same weekend
0: um, in, in whatever city they host that. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to ever be a time where these conferences say, you know, wonder if we'd make the, despite the amount of teams, uh, the very various, Amount of teams that each conference has. I wonder if there will ever be a state of the co- conferences have the same playoff format to make it, uh, you know, kind of a consensus going into the top sixteen. Because I mean, ultimately, there's there's some teams that are going to play a lot more hockey than other teams is, if, especially if they get to the top sixteen. And I'm looking really at like a Penn State. You know who gets in the top sixteen versus you know a a you know like a WCHA team like Minnesota State who's going to end up playing a few more games than Penn State or you know Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of depends which way you look at it. If you look at more wear and tear on the legs, or if you just look at you know that simple fact like you talked about, which
0: makes Minnesota so intriguing in that matchup is that Penn State hasn't played him Yeah, race. so. I mean that's just some food for thought there. So I was just kind of curious what you what you were your standpoint is there. But um, so I mean I think Tony that wraps up. Me. I mean we're <laughs> I hate to do it, but you know we have to, and that's we got to leave Arizona State out because there's nothing to talk about. They're just kind of waiting to see what happens until the top 16 here. So uh, they so uh, according to CHN's
1: prediction like probability rankings for for each team getting in. Arizona State looks like they're in a pretty dang good spot right now. Um CHN had them at ninety six percent um before before everything happened with uh with the ECAC. I don't know how much if that moved the needle at all. Um, but they have a ninety six percent chance to make the NCAA tournament. Okay. So good news for the Sunday Yeah, because they've
0: had an extremely good season this year, twenty two eleven and three overall. So they've they've been very successful this year. And I noticed in the pairwise, uh I mean they were number twelve. Uh, for a good chunk of the last month, month and a half. And then after the last two weeks, they only dropped down to 13 in the pairwise. So So um, what I think we kind of were projecting on our end was going to be a significant drop ended up not being much of a drop at all. Though you don't want to, you know, once you kind of get north of 11, you kind of start worrying because you're now in that gray area if you're in the, for the pair with with uh, conference playoffs looming. So, but you know, Arizona. it's good to hear that you know a successful season looks like will continue on. Uh, once we get the top sixteen in motion here in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and that, and that to me is a really good segue in into this into the next segment I wanted to do. Um, well, I'm not going to really jump into a a bracketology this week. I wanted to talk a little bit more about what what teams need and and things like that. So the teams that right now would be are a lock for the tournament are north dakota minnesota state cornell duluth denver bc penn state umass clarkson and ohio state so right now we have 10 teams that are locked meaning there's essentially going to be at max five bubble teams that get in and that's assuming that one of the teams that currently sit in the top 15 or one of those top 10 teams win their conference tournament And then you have to figure in 16 is going to be, you know, the Atlantic champion. So right now there are nine teams um, that are really vying for that last, you know, those, those few bubble spots. Um, That's Lowell, Bemidji, Arizona state, Michigan, WMU, Maine, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, and Northeastern. I mean, some huge, some huge weekends right now. And if you're a team like Arizona state, and if you're really any of these, these bubble teams, you want to make sure that you win and those teams that are, are automatic that are going to be in right now win. You don't want to see these upsets. <clears throat> I think the worst thing that you could see is a team like Bowling Green get hot and go win, that, win their conference tournament. Like That would be disastrous for a lot of these bubble teams. Um, same with teams like like, say, Providence, say, you know, Michigan Tech, St. Cloud, BU, UConn, um, you, if you're a bubble team, you don't want to see these teams win. You want to see these top guys win, um, making your odds to get in a, a lot better. Um, Arizona State, you also don't want to see some of these bubble teams. Like, a nightmare scenario for you would be if Lowell, Bemidji, Michigan, and Western Michigan
0: all won their conference tournament. Yeah, because uh, cause ultimately, Arizona State can't do anything but watch, so... I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're basically just praying that the worst case scenario, which is what you just stated, doesn't happen. Um, if you're Bowling Green, though, I mean, you mentioned if if you're these certain bubble teams, you don't want to see a Bowling Green win. But I mean, if you're a Bowling Green fan, uh, winning your getting to the conference championship and ultimately winning. Um, you have, have to win, to win it. it. I mean, that that's a huge jump for Bowling Green, who at least is right now 21-22, the jump to the 16. So that's a pretty big leap for them. Yeah, Same with Providence, who's in that same area as Bowling Green. It's going to have to win hockey to make a huge jump um, into the top 16. And it's like you said, if these programs, these two, end up doing that, um, you're knocking a good chunk of teams that are, Really don't have to maybe win a championship, but can at least uh, get to a semi or a championship game, and and get their spot in. So, and if Bowling Green and Province end up winning their championship, that that scenario goes right out the door for a lot of teams.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what makes things so interesting. And we'll have a lot more clarity potentially uh, next weekend. I mean, if Michigan and Minnesota both lose their seasons are done. If Western Michigan loses, their season's done. Bemidji, um, Bemidji is I think a team that that could be in a little bit better situation, but I mean, in all likelihood, if the team's behind them win and Bemidji loses their season's done. Um, so there's, there's
0: really a lot at play. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and now with all the conferences and playoff action this weekend, um, it's like you said, next week, we'll have a little bit more clarity, uh, with especially these bubble teams. If, if, they get knocked out in the first round. So like you just mentioned they're done. If they advance, now we can kind of see where are they at going into the semis and championship games of their respective conferences and and ultimately do they need to continue to win to to lock in their spot or if they end up losing the one and done game, are are they in based on that and are now just waiting for that top sixteen matchups to, to be announced and, and start. So a lot of more a lot more interesting stuff we'll I think we'll be able to see. After this weekend,
1: yeah, it'll start. Teams will start eliminating themselves, and and we'll have a lot more
0: yeah. clarity. Uh, but Tony, that's all I got for the men's side of that. Uh, do we, should we sh- uh, switch gears here and jump over to the women's side? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I mean, we uh, it was an incredible weekend as we uh, we had four conference champions were crowned, and three of those championship games went to overtime. Um, and I want to start in the CHA, which was the one big, one big league and uh, Mercyhurst beat Penn state in the semifinals. Robert Morris beat Syracuse setting up the matchup that we kind of talked about last weekend and, and Mercyhurst beat Robert Morris two one in overtime, a nice little eerie, uh, eerie versus Pittsburgh <laughs> rivalry. I'm sure Plonsky would love that reference, um, but Mercyhurst has, has punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament um, in the ECAC um, in the semifinals, Princeton beat Clarkson five to one Cornell blanked Harvard for nothing. And then in the finals, it was Princeton upsetting Cornell three, two in overtime. Um, I say upset. I, I, I don't necessarily believe it was that big of an upset because I think when you look really one through eight this year, it's probably one of the most balanced fields that I've ever seen in women's hockey. And, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out. It wouldn't shock me any outcome to any of those series, Quite frankly, even Mercyhurst. I mean, it's not a series; it's a one. Mm-hmm. It's one game in the quarterfinals, and it wouldn't shock me to see Mercyhurst even upset Cornell. Um, a situation like that. Um, moving on to Hockey East, Hockey East was the only that was was pretty undramatic. Um, Hockey East saw a lot of upsets in the in the quarterfinals. Uh, Northeastern beat Maine three one on in the semis. UConn beat New Hampshire 4-0 and then Northeastern put a pounding on UConn 9-1 to one, um, to advance to the NCAA tournament as the automatic bid. They were going to be a top-four seed pretty much regardless. Um, in the WCHA, Ohio State had an absolutely incredible weekend. Um, they came back to beat Minnesota 4-3 in overtime and then beat Wisconsin on, on Sunday um, one nothing in overtime to clinch WCHA. Um, Wisconsin handled Duluth pretty handily in the semifinal game. Um, But, yeah, I I think, you know, Princeton and and Ohio State, two teams, I I wouldn't say were the favorites going in, but not really too much of a shock that they won their conference tournaments because they are some really, really incredible teams. Um, But that sets up some NCAA tournament action. And prior to the news today, Wisconsin sold out their – sold out LeBron Arena in, I think, an hour and a half after the game. Um, That doesn't really matter anymore. But – um, just to give you an idea of what's happening next weekend. Cornell hosts Mercyhurst. Wisconsin hosts Clarkson. Uh, Northeastern hosts Princeton, and then Minnesota hosts Ohio State in a
0: rematch right back at Ritter Arena. Oh wow, that's interesting. <laughs> um, getting back-to-back weekends. Yeah, I mean this is a this is a field where there's just so much damn talent in uh, in this field, this small field, and there's a lot of talent that's being left off the field here, right with the teams that didn't get to advance and so forth. So um, this is going to be an intriguing uh, you know, playoffs for women's women's hockey um, just because even though we've had the likes of like a Wisconsin and um, I know we've talked a lot about like Northeastern and, and Cornell this year uh, on the women's side and how successful and, and really how well they've played all year. But you look at like a Minnesota, Ohio State, um, you know, you mentioned Princeton and, and Robert Morris. I mean, these are the teams that um, maybe we didn't highlight as much and maybe they don't get as highlighted as much, you know, through social media and stuff, at least the, the stuff that the content I follow, you know, you get the typical Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, the teams that have, been, you know, number one, number two in their conferences majority of the year. Um, but when we get to the playoffs here, I, you know, anything can happen, you know. I think that's been our mantra the last few weeks, and and I, you know we saw it last weekend. I mean, I I think I kind of texted you over the weekend, like, oh my God, Ohio State upset Wisconsin, and then you kind of made the you know pointed out. I don't think it's considered an upset, and then I kind of thought about, it, I'm like, yeah, that's true. This Ohio State Wisconsin, it probably isn't an upset. Ohio State is an extremely well-talented team, and easily, you know, or I shouldn't say easily, but can very well compete at a high level with, even though Wisconsin has, um, you know, some dominant players. So uh, I'm glad you uh, kind of fact checked me on that one a little bit. So, um, you know, I don't think there's a clear cut favorite in, in women's hockey for who's going to win a national championship. At least, I don't I don't know what your opinions are on that Tony. You, you would know a little bit better than I would.
1: Yeah. I mean, this year it's, I, I think the top four, I mean, I, I, no, I would. I don't even want to say that. I think this is one where it wouldn't shock me if there, there's about seven teams that I could see winning it. I'd be, I would be shocked with Mercyhurst. Like, just the body of work really isn't there for Mercyhurst as it is for the other seven teams. Um, but it's like you look at Clarkson, a team that's been a perennial power the last few years, having a down year. But anytime you have you have a goal scorer like Elizabeth Jaguar on your team, you have a really, really good chance to to pull off an upset um, to win some games. Now the matchups that I'm really intrigued about Minnesota, Ohio state, they've had some incredible matchups this season, a rematch, and then Wisconsin Clarkson. And I say Wisconsin Clarkson because just the star power, the fact that you get Abby rock, um, you get Sophie Shirley, Elizabeth Jaguar, Daryl Watts, you have some absolute incredible players that are, that
0: can light the lamp and I expect to see some goals in that one. Watch it's going to be one nothing because <laughs> I said that but um but yeah no I agree. Uh it'll be it'll be fun to see uh who ends up advancing and and so forth in, in women's hockey. Uh and speaking of women's hockey Tony, I think we all know and saw in the NHL and in, in or across the uh the US was uh International Women's Day uh Sunday it was cool to see um, you know, the all women's production team for the St. Louis Blues and uh, Chicago Blackhawks game. Um, and I just kind of noticed when I was watching Sunday some, uh, some hockey throughout the day, they kept mentioning at the bottom ticker, they kept highlighting the Patty Kaz uh, awards. So I thought that was really cool because, um, not something that probably people get to see, at least on a national television standpoint. Um, and I bet there was a lot of people that probably didn't even know what um, you know NBC Sports was trying, you know, highlighting there at the bottom. Uh, I thought that was really cool to see because I know last week we really started talking about um, the favorites here or the you know the contenders for the Pat, uh, Patty Kaz Award, which is kind of what I wanted to swing into and, and ask you: um, Have we seen any kind of changes, or are we sticking with the kind of the top three people that or top three women college hockey players for that award right now?
1: Those, Those were all just so
0: that they were announced the three finals. So I, that's right. I forgot. Um, yeah. So, and then, you know, I don't want to, you know, sway away from this too quickly here. But, um, you know, I we talked about Hobie Baker last week, too. Um, nothing has been said as far as the hope. I don't think the Hobie Baker finals get announced until later in the top 16, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you know that for sure. Um, I want to say closer to the Frozen Four, if 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 that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, you're right. But you know, there has been some changes in my top three. Um, you know, I think, like I said, Jack Duggan and Jordan Kawaguchi from Providence in North Dakota. They're they're still my top two guys here. Um, but there's been a little bit of a change in my third. Uh, in in the last few weeks, I've been saying Tice Thompson from Providence. Um but and I'm sure I'm gonna butcher these names. Uh Nick Abruzzius uh from Harvard and Mark uh Michaelis from Minnesota State uh are now in the swing of here and um up there with Tyce Thompson, uh all three forty four points each this season. So um you know, I th- you know, Minnesota State and Harvard making some noise here for uh for Hobie Baker. But like I said, I think it's it Ultimately, in my personal opinion, it's going to come down to two guys, and that's Jack Duggan and Jordan Kawaguchi, two guys that have had outstanding seasons this year, 52 points for Jack Duggan and 45 for Kawaguchi, and, um, and both have been extreme, uh, not only from a points perspective, but just their demeanor on the ice, both uh, big-time leaders for their programs this season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can agree more. And and I think my favorite's Kawaguchi, but i some of that's some of that's just a little bit more like West Coast bias or I guess Midwest bias and
0: just knowing that that' yeah. a little bit better. Um, but Tony, I know we've ran usually the last few episodes like an hour and a half, but I think we're uh, kind of wrapping it up here. Is there anything else that we need to cover? Any uh, any other news that we, we might have missed uh early on the show here?
1: No, nah, not that I can think of. I mean it's it's definitely
0: when I was going through my notes, I'm like this is a lot
1: quicker when we <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um
0: I think we're, you know, as we see a lot of teams kind of dwindle down from the playoffs, we see some seasons end and we get closer to top sixteen. I think um, you know, we're gonna have a little bit less and less to talk about. But maybe we won't. Maybe there's something that will shock the hell out of us. Maybe we'll have more opinions or more to talk about. Like you said, like, you know, we mentioned the coronavirus that this shit just happened maybe thirty minutes before we started recording today. So um, you know Tom Hanks Has it. it so too. the and people that are curious, that like to follow the NBA, they just suspended this regular season for the re- remainder of it. So um you know shit's just popping off right now on a Wednesday night. So uh Tony, I know that we uh we like to end the show as of recently with our favorite hockey movie of the week. Um so I'm gonna put you on the spot because I know we uh we've hit a lot of the top movies. Uh what uh do we got do we have cause I do have one that I never I haven't alluded to but I just watched this week. Go. I I don't
1: I have one that I've I've seen, but I'm not I'm not one I necessarily. Okay, so the movie why. that I
0: actually just watched and and this is courtesy of listening to the Spit and Shakewoods podcast with Chris Pronger. He suggested it, Chris. When I say he, I mean Chris Pronger. uh, Making Coco, I believe, is what it called. Let me just confirm that right here Hmm. uh, in my movies here, because I did just rent it not too long ago this week. Um, Here it is, Making Coco: The Grant Fear Story. Uh, Excellent documentary about Grant Fear. Um, uh, You know his ups and downs as being a. african african american hockey player uh, especially in the you know 70s and 80s uh his struggles with addiction and stuff like that um being traded to different teams uh, the the whole story is uh, extremely intriguing uh for uh the people that probably don't know anything about him except being a hall of fame goaltender for uh the edmonton Oilers. so if you get a chance um i ended up watching this on uh uh, I downloaded it off iTunes, so you get a chance, uh, "Making Coco, The Grant Fear Story" uh, excellent documentary. Interesting. I'll have to uh, have to check it out. Um, I guess I'll say Goon, because that's oh, like, the only other hockey you know, movie I've it's seen. It's funny it you say Cinco. Goon, because I got a text from my cousin about a few days ago who listened to the podcast, and he and he 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 just questioned me. He goes how is Goon's not on your Mount Rushmore of hockey movies? (laughs) So I was like, I don't know. I said, I think I hit the top four right there. I said, unfortunately, you got to leave some off. Uh, I I think, like, the top four are so prominent.
1: You talk to anyone, they're going to say Miracle, Mystery Alaska, Slapshot, and then the
0: Mighty Ducks. Yeah, and they've been around the longest. Like, Goon's only been around for, what, I think that first first one came out in 2013. The next one was like 2015. So I mean, we're still talking relevant movies um, where the others have been out for 20, 30, 40 years, maybe 50 pushing. I don't know whatever the case is. So, um, so I think I, I think I think our Mount Rushmore movies was pretty spot on. But uh, no, I. Goon such a funny movie to watch. So if you never, if you never got to see it go on Netflix, they got both of them on there. Uh, both are really funny movies and, and really good hockey movies too.
1: You know, maybe I'll, I'll take a, take a step away from watching King of the Hill before Batman on Goon. <laughs>
0: there you go. Uh, but Tony, I think that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, we're in full playoff mode. So that means the podcast is in full playoff mode. And, and now it's the, uh, it's you know the path to the Frozen Four uh, really kind of starts for at least for us as viewers and and uh, fans this weekend is and we'll see. Actually, tomorrow oh, we got going on tomorrow. Did we miss that?
1: According to the CHN app, um, and this could be an error,
0: but Robert Morris Sacred oh, Heart. Oh wow, that's a big game. Uh, okay, wow. Let's see. Yeah. So okay, we Shoot. got action starting tomorrow on Thursday. That's kind of surprising for playoff hockey. Um, but so we got some exciting things happening this weekend and we're going to have it all covered the outcomes and what goes into the semifinals, um, for the conferences in the following weekend, as we, uh, get closer and closer to, uh, the top 16 and the frozen four.
1: Yeah. And a couple, a couple things I want to highlight real quick, uh, Minnesota Penn state will be on the big 10 network at six o'clock central time on Saturday, um, let's see if there's anything Friday. I don't believe there is. No games on TV Friday, but Saturday, um, those two are playing. And then Sunday on the Big Ten Network, Michigan-Ohio
0: State at 430 okay. Central. So if you, got, if you get a chance, tune in on the Big Ten Network. I know for the NCHC, uh, once we get to the semifinals and championship game, you will be able to see those games on the CBS Sports Network as always. Um, and if any other national broadcasts are going to be of uh, presenting any other college hockey uh, playoff games going forward. We will be announcing that on our Twitter, Instagram, and as well as on the podcast. Uh, But we got a lot of things coming up, and we're excited to see where the the remainder of the season is going. It is coming to a close very quickly, uh, but we will be with you every step of the way, Uh, as always.